0: Tell me, does the toppling of American missiles really compensate for having no hands? Missiles are only the first step to prove our power. Our power? With your disregard for human life, you must be working for the East. East, West, just points of the compass, each as stupid as the other. I'm a member of Spectre. Spectre? Spectre. Special executive for counterintelligence, terrorism, revenge, extortion. The four great cornerstones of power headed by the greatest brains in the world. Correction, criminal brains.
1: Do you expect me to talk?
2: Do you expect us to talk? Welcome to episode number two of a brand new podcast about James Bond 007, hosted by myself, Hacker, Chris and Dave. And this week, we're talking about the very first big screen Bond movie, Doctor No, from 1962, starring Sean Connery and directed by Terence Young.
0: Very, very nearly not the first Bond film if they'd gone in order though, and if history had played out a little different. Doctor No was actually the fifth James Bond book, so really strange how it ended up as the first Bond film. Well, kind of... Unfold it over the next few weeks as we get to different stories and different. Certainly, early on the different Fleming books, but um, if they'd gone in book order, Casino Royale would have been the first film, uh, but that wasn't available for reasons we'll get to when we get to Casino Royale.
3: I always wonder what that would be like—a Connery Casino Royale, <gasps> uh, back in back in them days. Yeah, I, I often I often wonder whether the Bond franchise would be the franchise it is now, or if it would have been a franchise if it took that route.
2: Alternate Bond history.
3: Yeah.
0: It's, I, think it's... I think the biggest problem with Casino Royale, if you, if you convert the book to a film, if you adapt it, there's almost not enough there. I mean, I can kind of see why they went the sort of teleplay route.
2: It's quite scant, it, isn't it, I think?
0: It, it is quite a short book. Uh, the first hour of the Daniel Craig film, I don't want to get too much into it, because obviously we'll get there in several weeks' time. Um, but certainly it it was a good introduction to the character, but I'm, I, it's not necessarily the most cinematic. That isn't actually the reason it isn't the first film of the series. That was a, a whole rights thing that we'll get to. Uh, but there is an alternate universe where Thunderball's made somewhere around the late 50s as Longitude 78 West, and... Well, there's various stories of how this could have unfolded. But at one time it could have even been Richard Burton as 007.
2: That would have been very interesting.
3: Yeah, I, I
2: yeah. Yeah, I suppose
3: back in the day I mean when I think of Richard Burton, I think of War of the Worlds and Where Eagle's There. But um
2: Yeah, but prior to that I think it was yeah. quite a-
0: Well, the voice, and yeah. I mean, I I could certainly see Richard... There is an alternate universe where Richard Burton is a very, very good James Bond. Um, But yeah, I mean, again, this story will unfold over the next few weeks. I kind of said this in the intro episode that that this series has absolutely everything. And, And I don't mean the films. I mean the stories around it, the lawsuits, the firing of leading men, bankruptcies, and everything else. And also... An awful lot of the path that wasn't, wasn't walked, and certainly an alternate start to this universe was very, very close to happening. Um, and when we get to Thunderball, there's quite a story there about how, how that all unfolded.
2: Very often, we, like the making of the Bond films, are often as colourful as like the Bond movie plots themselves, aren't they? I think that's remarkable.
0: Yeah, it is, and actually, Doctor No is is a relatively sort of almost prosaic. Um, start. I mean, it was chosen because it's so simple. It, it is quite a simple story. It,
2: yeah, it could, it could actually happen in real life. What well, could have happened in real life?
0: Yeah, and also on on paper, once you start breaking it down, it's cheaper than from Russia with love, which will get <laughs> But from Russia with love, although it's not quite as exotic because it tends to stay within mainly Europe, um, it has an awful lot more location and scale to it.
3: Yeah, because it was pretty much all shot on location in Jamaica Space attic all like all to too is like film in Jamaica and everything else was like shot in family Studios in london so yeah uh, much so yeah, so the majority of it was you know was relatively cheap and and there wasn't actually any um that's one of the things I've figured about in Doctor No was there was actually a lot of action scenes there wasn't like actually a lot of set pieces that was um that you normally establish with bond i mean sure you, you get to it. Uh, uh like the the main base exploding at the end. But um uh, but like, which, which, which which would I mean I, I can only imagine like at the time was like right we need to have some like we need to have give the audience some something to make, go wow because we haven't really done that much. <laughs> so, <No. laughs> but I think it's a but but I think it's one of those things that it's weird how like from that decision like it's come like a common Bond trope that they, the 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 baddies layer always has to explode at the end.
2: <laughs> Given like the film's budget, was it like was it one million? Yeah, <laughs> um,
0: like, like, yeah. It Was a, <laughs> that,
2: You need the Doctor No... Uh, yeah, uh, I, 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 I was <laughs> fighting the
3: there.
0: That's misleading uh, because we talk about a budget of one million, and we tend to think of like modern exchange rates.
2: No, it was a lot of money in 1962.
0: No, but the point I'm making is that. Don't forget, this is a British production. So if if someone gave you a million pounds today and you went and changed it to pounds, you'd have about two-thirds of that. Sure. Three-quarters, something like that. Depending on exchange rate, you know, you would probably have maybe 650,000. But the pound was an awful lot stronger against the dollar then. So the budget for this film... In pa- I mean, movie grosses and movie budgets are always in dollars for me because it's, it's larger in American industry these days. But the budget for Doctor No was 300,000 pounds. Because of the strength of the pound, so yes, that equates to about a million dollars. They overran that budget, so but the whole thing was made for one point two million dollars, which Pretty is only about three hundred and fifty thousand
2: pounds. That's crazy when you think about it, isn't it? It just and they didn't even know it was going to be a success. It wasn't like it was just, oh yeah, this is you know it's not like a like today, for example, we've got the Avengers or. Captain America or those sort of movies, which are guaranteed tentpole movies for for studios. Mm. Um, Not like that back then at all.
0: No, and I mean, it was... I mean, when you watch the special features and and read up on this film a little bit, they talk about making a $1 million film look like a $5 million film. And I think in a lot of ways they did achieve that. I I don't look at Doctor No and think cheap so some of them some of the scenes in the film and we'll get to it as we go along but some of them are, are limited by the technology of the time certainly some of the driving scenes um but i don't think of it as a particularly cheap film it's sat, it, it's shot on particularly nice film stock particularly now it's been restored we can see what a beautiful film it is
2: it looks good it looks kind of almost, well, almost like new i mean on the on the blu-rays um, it looks stunning. I mean, the colours are nice and vivid. Um, Jamaica looks absolutely absolutely gorgeous.
0: It was a wonderful way to start, start the film uh, the film series because I think for a lot of the early entries, the Bond films were a bit of a travel log. I think we've, we've got past that era now where you, you get students taking a gap year and going all over the world. Well, that, that didn't happen back then.
2: No, everyone can travel now, whereas, yeah, you could travel the world for a price of a cinema ticket.
0: So you've got this guy... I think it's certainly in some of the en- early entries we live vicariously through Bond. He goes where he wants and does what he wants almost, subject to his orders. Um, but yeah, it's, it's re- it, it, the whole genesis of the film we take for granted now because we're 23, nearly 24 films on from the start of this series. But it wasn't a surefire hit and the film had no stars, as I can recall. I don't know if either of you guys know, but... But no one in this cast was a particularly big name.
3: No, because Sean no, Connery no, like, was an unknown. Yeah, uh, I think I think the the major. If you actually look at the um, the the publicity of the posters, it was all pretty much Ian Fleming's James Bond. And so like, I think it was more like banking mm-hmm. on the the popularity of the books. Going like, look, mm-hmm. we've made a film of this. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I think it that's where it, it, its money was on, so it had a relatively small budget for the time. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not
0: an uh, expert in... Uh, nor am I. Actually. The Echamonic, no, so... Me neither. <laughs> so, like, you know... They do talk of the budget as extremely tight. Yeah. And I think that's the same for the first couple. Certainly when we get to From Russia With Love next week, uh, there are a couple of little tricks in the way they film that. Just yeah. a couple of little scenes But But I do think th- you, you
2: wouldn't thing. know that it was... But I think they
3: ha- they felt a little bit more confident in it. They felt like, okay, well, we know, we, we, we know Dr. No did well. Mm. Uh, and so we've got a little bit more room to breathe, so to speak. So we'll like, feel more action, but we'll get to that. But, um, but, <laughs> but they're already
0: uh, using... What I'm saying is that even in the second film where they've got a massive hit in the cat mm. they've used money-saving tricks. I, I don't think these budgets were particularly luxurious... And I'll I'll research this as we come to the films in the coming weeks. But I think the first budget we look at and we think, yeah, that's a comfortable, lovely budget. It's Thunderbolt.
2: Definitely, yeah. Like it doubles or kind of well. Definitely, certainly goes up each time. Like for example, by the time we get to Goldfinger in nineteen sixty
0: four. Well, yeah. I mean, something I, I, I've got to tip my nod to. I might tip my nod. <clears but throat> again. All right.
2: I'm so sorry. My tongue tying is doesn't matter.
0: Always... I've got to tip my hat to another podcast here actually because. Uh, This fact, I I didn't know, but it it came out on the Now Playing podcast when they started talking about Bond in the run-up to Skyfall. The telephone bill budget, uh, the telephone bill for Moonraker was more than the budget for Doctor No. What? Yeah, this is a very... very. I've never independently verified that, but I do trust those guys to have done their research. <laughs> and in all honesty, Dr. No it's, is it's a very... All, it's all Roger
3: Moore and his long-distance phone
0: calls. It's yeah, what are we doing? He's bringing adult chat lines, but we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, cool. even there's
2: reverse uh, charges from space.
0: <laughs> listening to the commentary the other day, I, I noticed when they, the very first, not the first scene, but the first time you see London in the film, it's when Jamaica's gone down and because Strangways and his secretary have been killed. And you've got those bank of, like, communication centres where it's, like, telephones and headphones and all the rest of it. They didn't have any in the money in the budget for that. Peter Hunt was saying in the commentary that he basically took some guy who worked for such said company who provide that stuff out for a couple of dinners. Oh,
2: At yeah, yeah, and he borrowed it, didn't he? Yeah, no money. Yeah. It's really interesting. if you. I mean... Listeners, if you're out there, if you do own the Bond DVDs and Blu-rays, give the commentary a listen if you've not done it already. It is fascinating.
0: It, it's fascinating with caveats, and the only thing I would say about that is, from a facts perspective, Becca's absolutely right. I mean, you will learn so much about the compromises made and all the rest of it. The only thing is, the early films were, the DVDs, commentaries did not exist before a lot of these people had died. Or we're too old. So it's mm-hmm. a very disjointed um, stitching together of different interviews over the years. Whereas once you get to like Roger Moore's era, Roger Moore is there commentating on these. He's still podcasts. going strong. Yeah, they're, they're not the most fluent experiences, these commentaries. <laughs> <but they're> absolutely, <laughs> They are totally worth listening to for... Roger. I mean, basically. I mean, oh no, no. I'm sorry. Yeah, Roger Moore. We'll get to Roger Moore. Roger Moore's commentaries. I can't wait to listen to because you
2: love him, Dave, don't you? You love him.
0: I'm not the biggest fan of him as James Bond, but I love the guy, and I can't wait to listen to the commentaries. I have to say, but I, I, I know. I mean, Becca, if you've listened to the commentaries as well, even Q's, uh, not Q, sorry, M's office.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting how that was created as well. He sort of, um, Canada goes into like the wood paneling and how he. Did it all basically on a shoestring budget? You wouldn't know it, and but it's just really insightful. But well, it, I say the, it, desk the is basically
0: a paper finish. Yeah, yeah. And, and the famous. uh the tricks of the, trade. The, the door is like plastic. Yeah, you wouldn't know that. You wouldn't know that.
2: No,
3: it uh, is a basic setup, but it does look like classy, like a. Like it looks
2: something, like real yeah. oak old. Yeah, so I
0: think I think the first person to give a shout out. I mean, we'll, we'll, as I say, we'll, I'm sure we'll get through the plot as we go, but just talking about the people involved in creating the modern Bond, the modern, but I think the formula was finished by the time we get to sort of Thunderball. But certainly this first three films up to Goldfinger, when Guy Hamilton comes in, we start seeing the tropes created. um, And we'll get on to Terrence Young in a minute, but I've really got to give a shout out to Ken Adam here.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, I mean, I don't think he's as strong as he, could becomes later on in, in the bond franchise but um there are definitely it definitely is like the the look of bond and especially when it comes to like bad guys' layers when it whenever you see like uh like you know the kind of the very sort of always like sort of late sixties like sort of sort of slight early seventies you know, that kind of weird kind of like like extreme very round looking looking objects and and furniture and things like that that so looks like that, Yeah, that looks like pristine as well, that you know, that just you know, that just looks like a Bond layer that, that's like or well, something out of from um, Doctor Evil's layer. You know.
2: some <laughs> of those are so iconic though. I mean, well, yeah, know, yeah, but it just looks great. Dr. Evil without not to
3: know. Yeah. But he, but I think he like the first thing that struck me was like the bit where um uh what what's his face? Uh, the 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 guy the guy at Bond like kills like you know um, a stent. Yeah, then you know he picks up like the spider, and then it's like the first. Oh, it, it's kind of. You it,
0: talking, oh, you're talking about Ken Adams set with the grate on the ceiling. Yes,
3: yeah. Uh, yeah. and it's like it's just basically just a big massive fucking room with like, no, nothing it's, in it. It's <laughs> but there's it's, like yeah, but it's if
0: just... I'm wrong, didn't they? Didn't the commentary tell us that cost something like six hundred pounds?
2: Yeah, it was a lot of money, wasn't it? Because they, they, they sort of but mentioned they it. had no money. They they had it had said, money. to him about it and said he's like, I'm not going to do that in six hundred pounds or something. Um, I actually need 800, and Cubby Broccoli was meant to be like, well, we've, we've got X amount of money, but we've got this contingency amount, so if you need X, we can provide it. And I was like, ooh. It was very cheap to make.
0: <laughs> it was, and and um, yeah, I mean, I I just remember, again, skipping ahead a little, how excited were we all to see that office back at the end of Skyfall?
2: Yeah, that was a high point.
0: You know, yeah. uh, there were some of the iconic, you know, and all of the Bonds, with the exception of Brosnan, have stood in that office.
2: That's De- it, yeah, Daniel Craig hasn't really set. had that, That um, you know, Bond having the pre-title sequence, seeing him um, being told off or assuming his mission, mm-hmm. and then I think Spectre now looks to, to you know, to go back to those footsteps to uh, to follow that. Mm-hmm. I mean, really like,
3: awesome. as much as I have, like, some issues with Skyfall, that that moment was kind of like same feeling that uh people had like star wars fans had when it when it had fourteen. chewie we're home oh. it's it's the same sort of like
2: yeah,
1: things like
3: it's really like it, it felt like we're home it's like
2: yeah definitely that was the high point for me yeah that's part of skyfall was that right yeah you know, with pleasure and um, with pleasure and it's just like <gasps> and it's it and, it, it's
3: so and it, end, it ended in the most way where i feel like the end of most bomb films, well, actually no, pretty much all bomb films, uh, to to a certain degree, which is pretty much whenever a want, I see new one, at the end of it, I go right, one well, next one now. Yeah. Right, what, one. I want to see the next one. I want. I, like, <laughs> I want. <know>. Like <laughs> you Yeah, exactly. It, don't, it doesn't. It doesn't matter if I thought that film was shit. It's like right, okay, that film was shit. Right, well, next one. <laughs> 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 it next. might have. Better. It was okay. Right, okay, next one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's that's how I always feel, but um, yeah, that that definitely was like a, like a warming feel. Oh, I'm, <laughs>
2: I'm excited
0: now. <laughs> we talk about yeah. I mean, I think we've all got to admit to anyone listening here, we've all read plot synopsises within uh, synopses. Synopses, yes. What's what's? what's Synops-
3: I, I say synopsis, but <gasps> yeah,
0: listeners, just uh, we do have to tell you that all three of us have actually read the plot that breakdown from Spectre within the last week. It started a lot. Yeah, of, we're naughty. Uh, what are you saying?
2: of slap wrists all around.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of wish I didn't know. Don't you?
2: Yeah, I missed
3: the actually, ending. I, no. I'll, actually, oh, actually, I well, for me, I am kind of glad I know going into it, but it's it's I don't it, 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 know. It might have
2: changed. You don't know. I'm well. Go there,
3: there is that. Yeah,
0: the there. There it was a different version a month later. Yeah, exactly. Um, so. An awful lot of the plot is pretty much the same.
3: Obviously. Yeah, I mean, we'll actually getting to talk about Doctor No just just in a minute but in a minute, <laughs> yeah, we'll get there we'll get there but uh, but uh, I will XS say 007. I will say that the, the first half is pretty is pretty rocking and um, it'll be worth, the first half will be worth seeing well, worth the price of mission alone um, but no spoilers
2: uh, people no spoilers
3: yeah no I'm not going to say anything but I'm saying that the first half it's like the last half where it kind of goes like oh but um, None of think, us it, that We can all agree the that ending, Spectre will be a very exciting film. I think
0: the, the problem is the ending was quite small in our heads. When when we picture the description of the ending, it seems really underwhelming, but I think a lot of it will be in the telling.
3: Could be, yeah, well, definitely, mm. de- definitely. And um, I, I had no sense of what, uh, well, I can say Spectre in it, but what, I had no sense of actually what Spectre was actually doing so it just felt like... Actually, there's nothing
0: in the script other than, like, they're called Spectre. Yeah. Da da Yeah. Uh,
3: so, I mean, Gina, oh, this is, this obviously, this obviously, the, obviously the mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm assuming the film will do more, but, um, but,
0: but yes. You know, the, 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 I think the whole point of, like, going on to Spectre here, and we'll talk about Spectre, we, I mean, we haven't... A great had, length. Like, yeah, well, we haven't <laughs> talked about the schedule yet, but I, it, it's fairly sure we'll do something... ...near its release. We won't have got as far as Spectre by the time Spectre is released. But I'm sure we'll talk about it as we as we go forward. In the... We
2: could do an emergency podcast on day of release.
0: So. <gasps> oh, God, yeah. I might have to travel for that. Anyway, yeah. but um, we may even do that in the same room. I'm thinking if I commit to it on a podcast, we've got to. But anyway, so...
2: We'll see what we can do.
0: But certainly, what made me think of Spectre when I thought of Dr. No is... That office is back and Spectre are back, and those are tropes that are established in this very first entry.
3: Definitely, because it's like when the first well, it's like one of the, also, the other tropes is Bond has a sit down dinner with the the villain and have has a polite conversation about ethnics and and like in, in kind of weird kind of way, it's like it's like, kind of why why don't you just kill him? But um, but I think it, but but I think they do. Um, you know, I think Doctor No does actually state that he he planned on trying to like persuade Bond to join, you know, which um kinda adds some leeway other than you know, other than the typical you know, other tropes uh. I,
0: I, I definitely think I don't know what you think Becca but I I definitely think Doctor No is at its best in the first half. Because I think in the first half of the film There is just something magical about Connery at this point. Whether it's his his best performance as Bond or whatever, we'll we'll get to that, I'm sure, as we talk in future weeks. I've certainly got a view on it. But in that first half where he's discovered in the casino, which is another beautiful-looking set on very little money, and he's called into MI6 at night, and he's... uh, Admonished by, he's admonished by M over what gun he's choosing to use. (laughs) Uh, The first interaction with Money Penny, getting to Jamaica and being extremely businesslike with the people he deals with at the start of that sequence. He's absolutely, and then of course, the thing I love in the early Bond films where he's, I mean, they played it a little long here but certainly going when he actually gets to a hotel room and actually checks it for bugs and things like that, I, w- I wish we saw more of that now.
2: He does his job, that's him being a spy. Yeah,
0: there is something <laughs> about Connery, I mean, certainly until he goes to Crab Key, that is just magical in this film.
2: I agree, Dave, I think you've hit the nail on the head.
3: Yeah, I mean, um, I, mean I think when it comes to uh, things like Search for bugs. Um, you know, it gives Connery a sense of like, well, he's nobody's fool. He's like, you know, mm. he's he's like, you he can tell even when he's been, mm. even when he's like, just sort of chat, like trying to chat up a, a lady. You tell her like at the back of mind, he's actually his mind's in the mission. He knows he's, you know, there's, there's ulterior motives. He's point he's thinking about other things. He's kind of like a step ahead of the game, you know. He always, She's he's, 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 at, he's yeah. at least thinking about what might happen exactly that way, he's kind of thinking about his mission He's you know, he's uh, he's actually playing a detective he's like, even when he's like mm-hmm. as casual as flirting with women or chatting them up in some bar or going over to the house to kind of seduce them you know, and, and you as the audience thinking well, that, that woman clearly is trying to uh, like kill you or she's part of Spectre or, or you know, or she's working with the bad guys, you know, but you know, there's a good sense of like, well Connery's not, not an idiot, he's 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 already considered that, or he's already like he, he knows that, and he's playing her. You know, it's, it's like a it's almost like a dance of you know, wit basically. Um, and I think basically we lose that when we get to Moore. <laughs> 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 it basically just it, it, it like Moore's bond is pretty much just like he just stumbles along stuff. <laughs> it's just like things happen.
2: He's led by his um yeah the
0: oh there there was a bit just skipping forward a little bit here once again, as as we will do through all of these podcasts, but there was yeah. a bit in Casino Royale where Daniel Craig is with Solange in her... I think it's her, sweet. And he realises that he has to leave to follow somebody else and he orders caviar for one. Mm-hmm. Right? And that no-nonsense attitude is something I haven't seen since Connery in a lot... I guess you could say, Dalton, we'll talk about that when we get there too, but certainly... We're going to talk about this more next week because the best single Connery example of talking to a woman but the mission comes first is actually next week. But already we've got this sense of a guy who, I mean, he's at his physical prime. I mean, Connery at the point this point is about 32.
3: He looks
0: he, good. He, he's a lot slimmer than he gets later on.
3: That sounds really pervy, sorry. He uh, <laughs> kind of older than 32, though.
0: Do you yes, he, think? Does. he does. He does. It's, it, that that era's is 32 is like this era's 38 when, like, Craig started, I think, you know. But... Yeah,
2: kind of meant to be at like, your physical peak, but i say there's... Um, I'm not meant to be leery or lechery or anything. Yeah, like be as leisurely as, <clears> as <throat> like.
0: We can just, like, you know. Well,
2: no, that's it. Well, so obviously, there's a scene when, you know, he's in Jamaica um, and he takes a shot off and you can see that he has kind of worked out, well, worked out, but he's kind of, he's got in shape a little bit for the role. I mean, obviously, he's not not going to be as stacked as, for example, Daniel Craig was emerging from the sea. But it's like, well, you can clear he's got, he's has got that kind of like animal aestheticism that, you know, the role requires.
3: He's rough and he's rugged. That's the one. And he's good in the fist fight. That's all you need to know.
2: Yeah, he's meant to be like an like, expert boxer. Um, if you go back to Fleming, you know, Bond is like, yeah, expert boxer, crack, pistol shot. You know, three knives and all the rest of it, so. Uh,
0: he Connery's got it in spades. He, he convinces me, there's no doubt. Yeah, he
3: he he's, he convinced me that he that he's a man who is dangerous. Um, yeah, very but, deadly. No. Yeah, uh, but there, I mean, but basically, I like, the thing about Doctor No is that with all the Bond films, it's the one that plays out more like a detective film. Um, even though yeah, there's actually,
0: a lot it, of scenes of him just like walking places, and I quite like that. I I don't mind. I I don't need necessarily. I mean, when we get to Brosnan, it's at its worst and and i'm not necessarily knocking brosnan for that but there was a period these films went through where there had to be a, an action sequence every 10 minutes or so yeah sort of lurch
2: from one set piece to the next really didn't absolutely.
0: it absolutely and and i quite like the fact that like bond is is normally at a walking pace in this film you know he strolls into reception at his hotel he walks around his room and has a look at that i kind of like that i i don't i don't have a problem with it at all
2: no, I mean, of so looking ahead to the next film from Russia of Love. That's why that's so popular as well, because it's more of a, um, as a you know, Bond films get more fantastical as they go along, but um, mm. from Russia of Love is kind of more like a, a spy, like spy movie, detective thriller, um, and that's why it's so popular.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, same di- same director as this week. I mean, Terence Young is is very important to Bond lore. Um, I mean, really, if you, if, obviously, Ian Fleming created the character. Sean Connery was the first Bond, so obviously he's extremely important. But if you look at the cinematic James Bond, I think, I think you're putting it, for me, at the feet of three people. Uh, I would say Ken Adam, because he created the look of these films. I would say Peter Hunt, because directed the best film in the series, but he was the editor right the way through to You Only Live Twice. And we can get onto that, but he was very, very innovative in the way he put these films together. And also we had an awful lot of power in post production. Um I mean Nikki Van der Zyl, who voiced every woman in this film with the exception of Miss Taro and Money Penny. And he hired her. Um so I mean but it's incredible. It, it's incredible. But
2: yeah, a real coup for the series, I think.
0: Yeah. yeah, and when we get to Majesties, I will just spend two hours gushing and crying with joy. But um,
3: <laughs> I would also like to throw in the hat, um, uh, Monty Norman, cause he, for making the iconic Bonveen.
2: John Barry, you can't forget John Barry?
3: Oh yeah, John Barry.
0: Yeah, I think I saw myself beans. short at three here, didn't I? <laughs> uh, like We're we'll,
2: we'll going to have to like five or six different people here. Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah, we'll come back to music in a moment, and we must do. But certainly, Terrence Young had such an enormous role to play in making this series what it is.
3: I think he was the the birth child of the spirits of Bond that we know and love, essentially. Because a lot a of pe- lot of people actually always reference about Terence Young that he is basically Bond in in, in terms of character. You know, that he is that kind of that kind of person. I mean, not 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 saying that he kills people and just and just sh- and, sh- and shags women countless, but he's that kind of like like sort of straight to the point, confident, kind of... He's
2: from that kind of privileged yeah. upbringing as well, so... And I kind of think he's credited with, like, creating what we know as the Bond formula as well, so obviously the girls' uh, gadgets, guns, explosions... Uh, things, it's it's stuff.
0: literally one exception that I can think of. When we get to Goldfinger, I'll point it out, there is one enduring trope of the Bond films that started there, um, I mean, you can't even say gadgets because I mean that started coming in with from with love.
2: Yeah, or, or certainly, well, rather than gadgets, like I don't know, trying to use modern or futuristic technology.
0: Yeah, absolutely. yeah. which
2: kind of morphed into gadgets.
0: Well, you know, the, the
3: gadget in this film is basically the Walt, the Walter PPK, which becomes like the mainstay of the franchise. Comes is gone. is gone. I find it kind of interesting how we're first introduced to that, and he kind of like accepts it reluctantly, as if he's like. Ugh. I don't, like, oh. I don't. I don't <laughs> want this fucking gun. No, I'd rather have this. Like, <laughs> I, want, I want. I want. I want this. Like, man's bread that like put me in the hospital for six months. You know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I suppose yeah, because uh, Major Boothroyd obviously not Desmond well and he's like nice and light in the lady's handbag, and he's just like, oh, <laughs> maybe that puts him off a little bit. Mm.
3: But it would do. As soon as you say "lady's handbag," it's like, please. <laughs>
2: I like, oh, I'm like, not again, no.
0: <laughs> the whole point with 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 um, Major Boothroyd in this film. Is that is a that's named after a real Jeffrey Boothroyd who was a friend of Ian Fleming's and and he actually wrote to him and said why have you got Bond using this Beretta you know it, it it's, it's a woman's gun well I can't speak to the truth of that but but yeah the whole quartermaster and the naming of him actually comes from real life and the gentleman who actually said to Ian Fleming don't use this gun use this. And he suggested the Walter PvK. Ah. The other thing, the other thing I find quite funny about this scene is the relative is relative to the books because he's saying you were in traction for six months last year after it jammed on you. And that is a reference to the end of from Should With Love <laughs> which is actually like next week's film. <laughs> But, ah, uh, yeah, because Doctor No, it follows from Russia with Love and From Russia. Yeah, with it was
2: meant to be the series, wasn't it? So
0: yeah, From Russia with Love ends on a cliffhanger. Of we think Bond might be dead, but um, yeah, That's we'll okay. get to it next week. because From Russia with Love is actually a fantastic adaptation of the book. Doctor No is is an okay book, but they've they've made a really solid story about of it. I mean. They may not be big names, but they cast everything important right here, don't they?
3: Yeah, they play it well. I mean, that's one of the things I like about Doctor No is that it's kind of it's simple, it's no nonsense, it's confident as well. Um, I think uh, if the Bond franchise didn't go further than Doctor No, um, I think it will still hold up as a good film. It won't just be like one of the things that kind of like was I've like, forgotten about. I think it would still be like remembered as like a a decent film. I mean, may, maybe it might have had, like a few other Bond films like scattered about here or there, but I think it would still be regarded as um, as great.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> some of the casting just really, really, I not the one that always springs to mind for me is M. I I just love Bernard Lee in this role, and he is to this day my favourite M. I mean, I I, I like Judy Dench, and we'll we'll talk about her during Brosnan and Craig's run, and she really is great. And I, I'm perfectly happy that you know they changed things up a bit, but I really like that they've gone back to Ray Fiennes now because he kind of reminds me of Bernard Lee.
2: He's got a military background as well, doesn't he? Yeah, and I just character. love
0: Bernard Lee in this role. It's astonishing to think he was drunk in most scenes he filmed.
2: Mm. And he got quite poorly towards the end, didn't he? Bless him.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are still... Opinion on this is is kind of... It's difficult to cut through to what is true, and I I will research it more as we get there. But I believe he started filming For Your Eyes Only, which he isn't actually in, and the reason is uh, he died of stomach cancer...
2: Yeah, he passed
0: away halfway through. Yeah, around that time.
3: Oh yeah, because yeah, that's that's the well, that's the one film where there is no M, isn't it? Is one of them?
0: Yeah, he's know. on leave or something. Mm. And then it's back as Robert Brown in the next film. But yeah, I mean Bernard Lee is just who won. Who wouldn't want to work for him? But who wouldn't want to do their best for him at the same time? You want to work for him and be intimidated. You'd be intimidated for him, but you want to buy him. But you want to work for him nonetheless.
3: He kind of reminds me of. I kind of want to say Winston Churchill, but though it doesn't. If you know what I mean, no. he, he, he kind of has. That's what you're to get at. Yeah, he kind of has that kind of like authority, kind of like. Don't give a shit. <laughs> kind, of, mm. kind of like what well, what I say go. It's like you can you can reply back, but yeah. Mm. Does doesn't matter, but th- but I'm not even going to get angry about it too much, <laughs> too much because I'm in charge, so you know, jog on. <laughs> <laughs> My way or the highway. Oh, basically, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's that that's kind of um, thing it kind of responds to. I think it's kind of what Bond needs as as as, <laughs> as someone in charge, someone to be like kind of like, well, I'm in charge, so yeah, do as I say, because I'm in charge. <laughs> almost kind of no nonsense but like kind of lay back about it Um, I suppose that's what we're trying to get at uh,
0: this film above all of them and I I sometimes forget this detail and it's only just occurred to me now again is there is an awfully heavy burden on Sean Connery in this film because he leads every scene Uh, after he's introduced I mean certainly after his scene with M. He he is like the alpha in every scene. And I know that sounds obvious because it's a James Bond film, but nobody knows who this guy is. No one has seen this series before. And he is absolutely dominant in every scene he's in thereafter. And some of those scenes are kind of controversial as well. I mean, certainly the Dent scene, the audience of the time could end up disliking Bond off that.
3: Yeah, there was a um, controversial um at the at, you know at the time even then about like oof, you know it's just too much he basically shoots another man um I think Terence young actually sort of i think i think I'm not sure who he wrote who he he spoke to like the actual censors about about it um and he was like saying he basically like put put it in a situation Oh, basically he's got a license to he's got license to kill he's basically like this guy's gone here to kill him um with with the intent you know he, he He's just caught him red-handed, so basically he's he's entitled to do what the fuck he wants, <laughs> that kind of that kind of thing. Uh, but I'm sure that that rubs some people the wrong way. But then that's his character; that's who he is. You know, he he's, he's the guy who got licensed kill, so we will take out the bad guy, if even if he is unarmed. You know, he will but, do it.
0: I th- I think we forget. I mean, I don't know what you think, Becca, but we kind of forget because we've had so many films since. That must have, we take it for granted that like, he is this guy, and he's got a license to kill, and he's still kind of the hero of the film. Would that have been the case in 1963 with this? 1962, sorry.
2: I think so, yeah. Um, I think the, that's why Roger Moore gets so much kind of division, because it kind of, there's a, it's occasional moments where he's kind of really quite mean. Like with, there's one in Man with a Golden Gun where he kind of twists Miss Anders' arm and you think, mm. Um But yeah, it's kind of known for like, the comedy and the kind of like gentler, well, gentler side,
3: but. <laughs> um, well, well, so the, well still the.
2: dangerous, as it were, but I think. You no, know, I think you're right. In 1962, I think that probably would have been the case.
3: Well, the, the things I like about. Well, the the, the, the parts I like about Roger Moore is a bit weird, mean. It's, it's, it's the kind of like the bit in the. Um... Uh, the spy love me, where like the, like Henchman's like hanging off his tie, off the end of the kill building, and he sort of teases him for information. He just <laughs> slaps him away. Yeah, <laughs> <fetish>. <laughs> he's like like you know, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you've got the point. What a helpful chat yes, well, <laughs> What a helpful chap. That's the yeah. one. Uh,
0: I think you've <laughs> got the point with Thunderbolt. Yeah, thunderbolt, yeah. And countless Edit
2: that <laughs> out.
3: <laughs> no, 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 but it's, <laughs> it's but, but it's relevant because like. Uh, Doctor No was like it was the first thing where they take out the free blind mice. Um, I, I call I call them the three free blind mice. It's really four Jamaican guys driving a car. <laughs> They're not blind,
2: none of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: I mean, well, well, stars. The, they play it, blind. Yeah, it's the oddest Bond. The fun men. It's the oddest Bond intro ever because it kind of like it starts off with the gumball, then it goes into this weird kind of. Um, Jamaican little number then it goes to three blind mice you follow these kind of like three blind men and they assassinate some dude and they kills kills a um, secretary <laughs> but um, they're, they're, um they they um they they I mean they're barely in it I mean like and they're quite memorable I mean cuz they have like what are they what three scenes is that right I mean they got the the intro the bit where they kind of try to take out
0: bond you you kind of crazy. see them in the background in yeah. stuff. When he turns up at Government House, they are in the background there, but uh, they're not a big plot point. I mean, I I could totally imagine somebody sat and summarising Doctor No and not even mentioning them.
2: No, they're not. They're sort of uh, you know they're kind of mentioned in the uh, in the opening titles, but
0: (laughs) the gun barrel is a really interesting trope, though. I mean, we talked about it a little bit last week, where we talked about gun barrels we like or don't. Complete accident. Mm. You know, it it was the it was part of the title song, if you like. Certainly, the title sequence of this film, and it suddenly become it became important to every film that followed. But it's it's not even Sean Connery.
2: <laughs> no, how about that? That's a pub quiz question.
0: Uh, well, the pub quiz question would be, who is it?
2: Who is it exactly? <laughs> uh,
0: um, and not Sean Connery would not be a winning answer. Um, <laughs> It's actually Bob Simmons, the stuntman. I mean, you would have seen him in an awful lot of stunts in that that film without knowing it. The most obvious example of a stunt in that film, where, and again, I've got to give a shout out to another podcast because James Bond Radio pointed this out. I didn't even notice. There's a bit in Doctor No where he's he's going through the vents. Do you remember that? Where he gets oh, yeah. Twist? So there's a bit where he's climbing down, and it is not Sean Connery, and it is oh. really obvious. And they're not even hiding it; that you can see this man's face full on.
2: I'm gonna to have to go back and watch that. Yeah, it's really obvious
0: it. once you know it's there. And, yeah, uh,
2: exactly.
0: But the other famous bit in this film, where you will have seen Bob Simmons, is the tarantula.
2: Oh yes. No, I have to skip past that part there. I just I...
3: Do, 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 do. That that's actually <laughs> that, that bit of music actually uh, is that used again in uh, in um, oh, is, is used again. Is it? From a show love, that do 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 I have heard it, well,
0: yeah. it was really, I don't know, and we will. I will look out for it because it will reappear. Yeah, um, we'll well, at... well,
2: it's, it's it. earlier on in Doctor No, isn't it? You've got the bit where um, the um, the driver who's sent to collect him, he turns out to be a sort of would-be assassin, kills himself, um, and then it's used again during the the tarantula scene.
0: Right, that that's that, um, yeah. What is extraordinary, and I don't think we realise it now because we're used to editing being A, quicker, and B, an awful lot more flashy, but breaking the rules of cinema at the time will have been so much more controversial. And thinking of where he's driven towards government house, and he pulls the guy over and the guy kills himself with a... Cyanide cigarette? Yeah, so he's like, um, I'm with you! I can't and then dies. It's either Smith or Jones that I can't remember. Well, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I always,
3: I always thought until recently that when he takes the thing, he actually tells him, but he actually doesn't.
2: No, he
0: doesn't. He just takes it with you. But even there, Sean Connery throws a punch with one hand and lands it with the other.
2: Yeah,
1: a bit of continuity it's just error,
0: editing things like that. Where and Peter Hunt talks about it on the commentary. It's quite. Yeah, then you can see about like it. They're not trying to hide it. They just no. the scene cuts together better if you do it that way.
2: It looks better that way.
0: Yeah, but very much about what works and.
2: He's not really breaking the fourth wall, is he?
0: So. No, and, and and certainly when we get later into the series and we get to Peter Hunt's directorial effort, we will see both the editing of a future Bond director but we will also see the most unusually edited Bond film of the lot. He was quite willing to do things a bit differently. And he he sets a tone here. And, yeah, I mean, I mentioned her earlier in the podcast, but Nikki van der Zyl is is huge in Bond history, and she is a Peter Hunt hire. Nikki van der Zyl voices... Correct me if I'm wrong here, Becca. She voices Bond girls through till. I've got to try and get this right. I think it might be "You Only Live Twice." I'm not sure she voiced beyond that.
3: Well, they did. they played a lot with um, like dubbing, like voices. Because they did Ursula Andress, um, but even like the villains, like um, in Thunderball, um, like uh, and, and Goldfinger. Scott's uh, yeah. Go, not Goldfinger's original. Goldfinger's yeah. Because like, because th- the uh, the original people like they got were like such strong European accents, They so were like no one's gonna fucking understand a the word these guys are saying.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, she, yeah, she was a voice coach to um, get Frober as well, wasn't she, on um, on Goldfinger too. Yes, yeah, she was she was because a she's fellow. bilingual.
0: She speaks. Yeah,
2: that's so really interesting. So, yeah. um, no, Dave, I think that's correct. I shall have to have a look, but I think you're correct there.
0: But certainly, uh, a lot of the Bond girls that we think of are voiced by her. And you are talking almost every female in this film, with the exception, as I say, of Miss Taro, who is the lady Bond sleeps with just before Dent comes in to try to kill him. Um, and Money Penny, I mean, it was always Lois Mackwell's, Maxwell's voice in that regard. Mm-hmm. But every Bond girl, S- Sylvia Trench, Honey Ryder, all voiced by. Nikki van der Zyl, and that is true almost all the way through. She voices Tatiana next week. She voices Domino. She voices both Masterson sisters in um, Goldfinger, Jill and um, Tilly. Tilly? Really? Yeah, and it, it's just extraordinary. I've, I can't think of a an editor with that much power. And the, the sad thing about Peter Hunt is he's remembered for Majesties, which, although I think it's an amazing film is considered underperforming at the box office and he never got to work on the Bond films again. That's a shame. Yeah, yeah. it's In a nutshell. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. But um, yeah, there are some incredible, incredible things in the first few films that last for years to come and you don't really notice it. An editing style is one of it. Films were... I mean, we think now of Bourne and Shaky Cam and things like that, which is kind of going out of fashion all of its own now, but so many films where action is supposed to feel immediate, and it's like a step change in the way films are put together.
2: That kind of style of editing, not just for the Bond movies, but it also had a knock-on effect in any other kind of action movies um, throughout the rest of the decade. So, like, modern... The quick way that films are edited now... Um, I don't think you would have had that maybe, without Peter Hunt, or certainly you know much later down the line. So maybe not just Bond, but also kind of like modern action movies, I guess.
3: Yeah, I think I, th- I think Bond is kind of like, would you say like the is the original action franchise? He is like, I I, I don't want to say he's like the first movies like a- action action character because I don't no. think he is. I, I no. think I'd be doing like tons of of like uh, yeah, films and it's other things. yeah but i in turn ter- but I, I think in terms of like of a mega franchise like in some sort of in like some sort of like commodity that just really took off you know it, sure. he's like he is the epitome of like action films he's like you know he's well basically watching bomb films got me into action films and i lot action there films oh,
0: there, we are. there there isn't a franchise i mean. This series will hit its peak at the box office, until Skyfall anyway with Thunderball. And certainly when you look at Thunderball, oh, sorry, Goldfinger and Thunderball, that sort of double punch, 64 and 65, I'm not sure there's been anything bigger to that date. Now, you had odd films that gross higher. Like Gone with the Wind, uh, a bit later on, The Sound of Music, and so on. But all of those films were one offs, and they also got multiple re releases. In terms of a character turning up in an unoriginal property, which sequels didn't have the certainly didn't have the drawing power they've got now, you know, absolute pandemonium at the premiers with just enormous amounts of the general public there. I think this was breaking new ground. I, I don't know that we saw anything quite like this till we got to Star Wars.
2: No, I'd say it's completely a completely new phenomenon, isn't it? I mean it has been compared to sort of Star Wars and maybe like Lord of the Rings and kind of mm-hmm. the really big
0: But there have been bigger franchises since. There's no oh, sure. I mean Harry Potter outgrossed it in eight films.
2: Definitely, yeah, well that was yeah, up sure until definitely biggest...
0: bigger. No one is gonna argue any different there. No. But certainly there was a period in the mid sixties where this whole franchise, and it was becoming a franchise at that point, had really captured the zeitgeist. In Maybe a clips, that perhaps we... by the
2: Beatles.
0: Yeah, exactly. You've got like the Beatles, Muhammad Ali. You've got, mean, got the Beatles, before. Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay, and James Bond.
3: Something like that. Yeah. And let's every guy want to be James Bond.
2: Well, that's it. All the guys want to be him. All the girls want to be with him. You know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's the classic line. <laughs> that
2: sounds very cheesy, now, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> I, I think some of it is is certainly of its time, and.
3: I, but basically, I it's, but... it's ultimately it's, it's the ultimate fantasy, though, isn't it? You know, that, that's essentially what Bond is. You know, it's the kind of he gets to do stuff that you know you wish he could. You know. Yeah. To a lesser or greater extent. <laughs> yeah like I mean, the, tr- travel the world things. like you know go on secret missions like you know sleep with exotic women or do loads of cool shit you know save the world <laughs> that kind of stuff is like fucking yeah
0: yeah i mean they in these early films you you see him like order green figs for breakfast or something and like that's a big deal because it's like seriously as exotic food and we just don't c- kind of get that now and Bond being an expert on wine, well, the, you know, and and on all, all that sort of thing, the general public didn't know a damn thing about wine, and and no. why would they? And so, that's what I mean about product of its time, because mm. the, what this film was appealing to, the general public now, don't have.
3: Yeah, but but I th- I think even something like wine is still imp- imp- impressive. I mean, like it's not like not everyone knows their wine really you know you didn't
2: know a correct, a correct temperature to drink Dom Perignon
3: 64 exactly the, 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 <laughs> yeah but there's like oh, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's like you know be, be things like Bond like knows his shit you know but it's not just like he's, he doesn't like look at the menu and go oh that'd be nice <laughs> like, <laughs> you know he, he knows he, he probably knows exactly what'll go well with any meal he's put in front of him <laughs> you know
0: what I mean <laughs> yeah he, know,
2: he knows not to eat uh, red wine with fish
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that next week. But yeah. the most obvious example. You know what? That's probably why I know that.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that is that's unfortunately why I knew that as well. It's like, obviously, I don't, I don't eat red meat. I'm vegetarian. I mean, it makes sense. Once um, you, so like, if I'm having think fish, I, if I'm going to drink wine, I drink white wine. I, you know, I don't have red wine. Yeah, it's just a communist agent.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, I mean, it really gets to its sort of apex for me when we get to he only lived twice and he very pointedly tells the audience what su- what temperature sake should be served at Yeah,
1: <laughs> and then
0: very very pointedly shows off this knowledge to target Tanaka oh, um, great- it, it really was it really was wish fulfilment and uh, yeah I mean even down to I mean the bong girl trope starts here as well we haven't actually mentioned Ursula just yet oh <gasps>
3: Yeah, it's <laughs>
0: shocking, shocking.
3: I don't know. Okay. So where where does Ernest just rank in in the Bond girl? Kind of like sort of rank? For
1: I'm going to leave you for, just this for guys.
3: No, <laughs> no, no. No, I'm not no, I'm not talking about I'm just talking about as a character as a, as as a as a an element in Bond. Because obviously like like you know the the Bond girl is is always like a thing. It's like the car. It's like you know the gadget, or it's like like Bond himself. You know, it's always like you know it's a particular uh, element in, inside Bond. So where does that rank? I mean, I'm not just talking about oh she's hot. You know, where does where does, <laughs> where, where does she rank for you guys? Because like for me, she's kind of like the ultimate original. But um, obviously, things have gone on gone since gone on since then, and I'd say probably better. But you know. But what do you guys think?
2: Um, yeah, I kind of I kind of agree there really. Um, I think sort of within one you've got two types of women, um obviously like damsel in distress. And sort of like the, the inverted commas, like good girl. And then and when we get to films like Thunderball, you've got characters like Fiona Volpe, who's like um obviously she's on the on the on the bad side of the baddies. <laughs>
0: Awesome's the word you're looking for, but we'll go. Get... That's the one <laughs> Fiona is amazingly good.
2: Yeah, she's, no, she's a really good actress, and I think she's one of the most glamorous Bond girls the yeah. world. I was going to try and do a really bad quote, but you know, it was one of them, like, in the film where it's like she's meant to, you know, Bond makes off to her, and she hears heavenly choir singing, but not me or something like that. Uh, that's <laughs> we'll get another
0: wonderful that example of, of the coldness of Connery's Bond, and I can't wait to get there in about three weeks' time because when people look at Daniel Craig, they kind of think it's an updated Dalton. And he, hmm. he isn't. He's—he's he's Connery, and 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 we'll get to why when we get there. But there are scenes in Thunderbolt, several of them, that are Daniel Craig.
2: Yeah, definitely. Anyway, just to bring this back to Sandra. Like um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I got carried away.
0: Now it's all right. You mentioned <laughs> yeah. redhead, and we just got carried away.
2: Oh, I was at the pretty much. No, no, she's. Um, <laughs> I think she's probably kind of like yeah, you're um, the blueprint. That's sort of the bond girl character i mean she's she's quite strong she's self taught um she's traveled the world um she knows she knows her worth she knows what she's capable of um and she's not afraid to kind of show their sensitive side and also show bond that you know she's quite tough as well so yeah essentially
3: oh, she's essentially she's kind of like um a, i was gonna say a wildling, but it's like you could kind of like sort of shoe off her say you no know, she's dumb, she's not dumb she's just like She's just like this all this is all this kind of shit is like a new experience for her. She's like, I'm I do not fucking normally hang I'm just like I'm i, I, I I'm, I'm a nature girl, you know, I mean I'm I'm am out independable, I'm I'm just happy doing what the fuck I'm doing, but you know, I'm just res- but she's still resourceful and she's still like Yeah, she
2: so led this kind of like parapethetic lifestyle mm. and she's like she's saying, Well, I started reading you know, Encyclopedia Britannica and from A I know I'm up to D or something like that.
0: Mm. Yeah. I find it very difficult to comment on the Honey Rider character. And a lot of that, I think, is the order I saw these in. Because I was thinking earlier about the Connery Bond films. Firstly, I saw three or four Roger Moore films before I even got to Connery. And in terms of Connery's Bond films, I'm trying to think what I saw last. Of all of his films, forget Never Say Never Again, but certainly of his Eon films, I either saw... Thunderball or this last, and I can't remember which. So at that point, you're looking at it being somewhere around the 10th Bond film I saw. So Honey Rider walking out of the water has absolutely nowhere near the same effect on me. And I've already seen Tatiana, I've already seen Pussy Galore, I've already seen... Uh, let me think. I've already seen, probably by that point, Triple X. I've already seen Melina Havelock.
2: It's quite an iconic scene, though, isn't it? I mean, it you compare it to The oh, as absolutely. it has before.
0: Absolutely, Absolutely. But you're saying it doesn't have you that impact? literally judge a character by the first four seconds she's on film.
3: And that's basically her just coming out of the sea going, like.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Then sort of shaking her hair a little bit. And, and,
3: that's and, like, and then, like, who's a Scottish. Scottish guy singing at me.
0: <laughs> that is weird. I can't imagine Daniel Craig singing. I can't imagine him, like, trying to get the woman interested by, like, singing to whatever it is she's singing under her breath.
2: Are you looking for shells? No, I'm just looking.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's yeah. What, that
2: is a bit
3: pervy. <laughs> that is very pervy,
1: Those...
0: Yeah, it could have been worse. <laughs> he could have been up to god knows what because he was hidden himself
3: but yeah there's
0: there's no no doubt to me Honey Riders Exit from the Sea doesn't have the same impact on me just because it was about the 10th Bond film I saw so why is that any more interesting than say Bond walking into his hotel room and there's Tatiana in his bed why is that any more interesting than My Name is Pussy Galore, I Must Be Dreaming We think of that as the iconic sort of Bond girl entry into a given film. And it probably is. I'm totally in a minority here. Um, I'm quite happy to accept it is. But there's been plenty of impressive Bond girl entrances to scenes. You know, even Tracy in Majesties. That is, like, kind of unique. And this doesn't stand out to me. But like I say, if I'd been around in 1962 and seen this... I'm sure it would have been mind blowing. That was probably quite a skimpy bikini for those days as well.
2: It was quite skimpy, mm-hmm. but I think yeah, I was I again was listening to the commentary and she was saying how she designed it herself with the with the costume designer. So
0: she's nude in the book.
2: Yeah, that was my my next comment. I was like, hmm. much more not, in the yeah, book. Yeah, not quite
3: sure to get the PG rating if that wasn't. A... <laughs> no. But then again, yeah, it it, it is a pretty you forget like some of these like earlier films that some scenes are actually pretty brutal and you think, hang on, fucking PG. Yeah, quite
2: violent as well. It's much more violent than anything you would see today.
0: Yeah, I mean... Well, it's mean,
2: like Game of Thrones violent, yeah, but,
0: you know, but, Bond. But, so I, I seem to recall <laughs> the first sort of sex scene with, like, top-half female nudity in it was something really? like 1958, The Lovers, French film.
2: Oh,
1: God. yeah, uh, yes, so yeah. We're, we're,
0: we're only looking, like, four years before this. So, yeah, this would have been pretty shocking at the time. No, I'm not saying Honey Rider coming out of the sea would have been shocking, but it's pushing...
2: In terms of the, cent- the second violence, than you know, we would... pushing the envelope for sure. And, yeah,
0: and the violence. So I mean, The thing that really shocked me, actually, it's a little bit inconsistent in that way because you see Strangway shot in, very early in the film... And it's quite clear he hasn't been shot. There's no blood. There's no bullet entry. There's no nothing.
3: There's blood in his mouth, though, isn't
0: there? Yeah. Well, I'm not sure actually. I'll have to look at that again. But I know his secretary shot in the very next mm. scene. And that's
3: red
2: paint, or yeah, all over yeah. The yeah place. There's
0: blood. I mean, it might. How convincing you find? It's a different matter. But there's no, but blood. Yeah, she
2: has quite mm-hmm. a bloody death, is not she? Unfortunately. And,
0: and where when Bond goes there later and looks at the and looks at the scene, there's blood in the carpet. Mm,
2: horrible.
0: So. It would have been pushing it, and it also pushed it in other ways. I mean, there, are, there's a scene later in the film where he's in bed with Miss Tara. That is the first Hollywood film, I think, where a man and a woman, an unmarried man and woman, are in bed together.
2: Yeah.
0: I don't know if I've got those details right or not. No,
2: I but think we're going like <laughs> to claim it here now.
3: We're going to claim it.
0: It's true because I said it. <laughs>
3: there we are.
0: <laughs> it was the first time on film ever Sean Connery was in bed with that woman.
3: <gasps> and that is a fact.
0: <laughs> that's
2: a fact. John had
0: never been in bed with that woman on film ever.
2: No, that's true. That is true. That's a and, fact. And
0: uh, the censors thought shocking. Possibly <gasps> shocking. A hairy
2: chest? No, got to cover it up.
3: <laughs> so uh, I'm going to go with so uh, so basically Ursula Jones, Sunny Ryder. She she did a great job. I thought. um what do we think of uh, Joseph Weissman as the formidable Dr. No?
2: Oh, terrifying, terrifying. I think if you want to get a really good Bond villain in, you need to get somebody with
3: real sort of. What's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, I mean, he's kind of like the. Real plight. Yeah, well, basically, he's like the classic Bond villain, in a sense, because he's the, he's the uh, kind of like the. Yeah. Like like when he like writes, he he's the original. He's the. He, he's he's kind is of he like
0: a neighbor, isn't he wearing a neighbor shirt or uh, coat or have I got that wrong. Yeah, but yeah, he, he basi-
3: basically he's got it all down, so he's got he's got something weird going on with him. He, he he's looks Blofeld
0: with hair. Yeah.
3: And <laughs> well yeah, but basically he's the he is the first felt in a kind of weird way, even though he actually says yeah, that, that he's working for Blofeld to a lesser extent. But, yes he
0: is. In the way he comes across on film, he's mm. kind of Blofeld with hair.
3: Yeah. But he's this kind of like really calm, kind of like He's a man with a plan, He's he's he thinks things through, he, you know, he's kind of... He,
2: he's even trying to... He oh. doesn't
3: raise his voice at all, but no, there's something, something kind of snake-like about him, in the fact that he's got, like, metal hands. We
0: take that for granted now. You've just said he didn't raise his voice. Mm. That seems so obvious now, but... It's not.
2: Yeah, he's, he's very sort of calm and, and
3: sort of. Yeah, the mean, you would
0: expect hot. you would expect the antagonist to be slightly. Yeah, mixed, off it, with I each mean,
3: other. I, I yeah. say that because the only because that at the at the end of the dinner scene where Bond basically tells him to go fuck himself <laughs> is <laughs> really? actual dialogue. <laughs> no,
0: yeah, this, this is what well, does, no, well, know, well not, this really, not really, not really. But, but but again, <laughs> I
3: will I will, add, <laughs> I will add, even even in that scene, I love, love how like little Bond characteristics, how like the the throwaway comment where he takes Honey Rider away and so like he he basically tries to save Honey Rider, say look, just let her go. this you know it's she she look, there. she she look she's not gonna know it. It's, look, she, you know, what, what she does know it's not gonna fucking stop anything. Just you, you might as well just let her go. You know, it's kinda of, kinda of like trying to say save her, you know First and foremost, he, he, can, he kind of goes. yeah, I agree. Um, sort of, yeah, like well, uh, you, you can leave. Probably. Like the, the get the the men will have a fun kind of thing, and it's like Bond kind of gets angry, and takes like a. You no,
0: know, Chris, you're telling me this. I feel like I was on set. Well, yeah, but it's it's <laughs> it, it, fucking it's... accurate, real dialogue and everything.
3: This is amazing. It, well, I, I, you know, know, I, know, I am, you know I am. I am up- abliving. I'm kind of like so. Yeah.
0: <laughs> also Bond didn't at any point just go, it's got fuck all to do with her <laughs> <laughs>
3: Original well, sorry, like people if, if, I wrote oh, the script, okay? if I wrote the script yeah. but uh but script no, but, but I, but I, I like dance, I, I like
0: to uh, get my nuts wet later, that's something <laughs> <all good. laughs>
3: But I like I like I like the little character reaction how he he does kind of gets angry and tries to kind of get um,
0: he, he crushes that little uh He crushes the statue doesn't he, the butter well well yeah, well,
3: yeah well well Dr No does so that's his kind of uh anger uh, like basically show of anger you can tell like he, he's kind of like you're mm-hmm. just a stupid policeman but that that same like rattled but even even then
0: they're basically Vulcans, bond villains aren't they yes. Yeah 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 well,
3: that that is uh logical So yeah it's all kind of logical
2: and fascinating I don't
3: no emotion <laughs> Yeah uh, logical captain uh, but yeah but even even little things like like that and how like Bond is always like he's like sort of tries to hide a knife and he's, he's always thinking about something he could do exactly
2: in that sense he's kind of like the opposite to Bond as well you were talking about earlier how like he's always got like he may be romancing him, but he's got the mission in his mind whereas Dr. Mm-hmm. No he's pretty much always thinking about his plan and, and what you know what the next step is and mm-hmm. this you know sort of meeting with Bond is just, is just a you know informality no a formality sorry mm mm-hmm. But yeah, this meeting with yeah. Bond is a formality, um, and he's always thinking ahead to the next step.
0: Another sort of difference from the book that, that we get in the film series is uh, uh, all through the Connery era, and that includes Lazenbies as well. Uh, Spectre, as we're about to see again this, this year, mm. are the villains. And of course, in a lot of the books, it was Smirch. Smirch. It was only in like a self contained trilogy. And that's quite an interesting thing and it, and it, it was about cooling down east west tensions.
2: It was so like one came out of the other would not it was it SMASH, um, a smashes spectre SMERSH, smashes basically um, stands for schmutt spionem basically death to spies.
0: Yeah, and I think that, that there was a thinking certainly with the Cuban missile crisis the previous year and so on that like do we really want to be put at, putting out films worldwide that are painting these guys as villains? And so Spectre was seen as a little bit more neutral as a choice.
2: Yeah, it's more like an international terrorist organization. Well, yeah, he, he that does, does say at okay. some
0: point just point, points east, west, just points on a compass.
2: That's it. And like in Thunderball, you kind of have that great big meeting, and they're like, "Oh, number six from America, number two from Japan, and things like that." So yeah,
0: it's really quite interesting, actually, because uh, I can't wait. To well, maybe that. not
2: number two because Argo's is number two, but yeah. never mind.
0: Largo's number two, yeah. yeah. Where, where do you think Doctor
3: No was? what number? He, was it was he when he got offed? Well, we don't
0: know. It was Largo? I don't know. Well,
2: maybe maybe he was number two, and then Largo yeah. shuffled
3: along. Yeah, I kind of I kind of got to think Largo's kind of smuggling himself. I think he's kind of like someone's like, yeah, I just got the promotion. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I <don't think> guys, Doctor
0: <laughs> No is kind of acting acting head. <laughs> no, I, I think of him as almost like acting separately from Spectre. He's okay. part of Spectre, but he's almost like a contractor.
2: Contractor. He, he, oh, yeah, Interesting. it's almost
0: like Doctor No over here. Is part of our sort of, you know, he's almost like a subsidiary. Ah. I don't know. We'll never know now. <laughs> no,
2: we'll never know now.
0: But oh dear. Uh,
2: yeah, like Joseph Wiseman. Listen,
0: I, I I certainly think the first half of this film is is where all of the things I love about it are. I mean, you you've got. Locations you've got the, I still think the best entrance in cinema history. Oh, definitely. Um, you've got these sets that look expensive when they're not. You've got a guy who does whatever he likes, apart from, if M tells him different. You've got the best M in the series. Um, you've got exotic locations. You've you've just got everything.
2: So, Dave, is this the best Bond movie then, in your opinion?
0: Oh God, no, no, we're, we're gonna, no, no, we're gonna, we're gonna get to a lot better than this. But I still have it sort of in my top six somewhere.
1: Sure.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I genuinely think, and most of that is on the first half, because I mean, I saw this on the big screen only about six or eight weeks ago, mm. and he's just magnetic, Connery. You know, so many times I I see, Dalton and Craig putting in far far better acting performances. And then you project Connery, and I remember why he was a film star. But you get past the halfway stage, you get to grab Key, and the film runs out of juice a little bit. And certainly Doctor No is kind of bigged up beyond anything we actually end up seeing. Yeah, you
2: don't see him until very late in the film, do you? It's all, yeah, in the yeah. last quarter. If I, I'm talking
1: you about
0: know, it. I, I love this film. I think it's really, really great, but...
2: It stands up, doesn't it? I think it kind of... I mean, yes, it does. Like, it. Sexism and racism... It's a step on a the journey.
0: Course. I mean, certainly what we get to next week is stronger. Definitely. Um, I, that's no spoiler. I think From Russia With Love is a far... It's got far more dimensions to it. Where it relates into something like Goldfinger we will get there, because I keep changing my mind on that. <laughs> but, but certainly there are more consistent Bond films. It is a problem of the Bond series in general that they tend to have better... Fir- as much as much as we talk about villains' layers and how these films end, they nearly always have better first halves. And we'll, we'll see that again and again through the series that... And I think that's a film problem in general, that you you build up a film, particularly if it's in the action genre, and then you just go for pretty mind-numbing bullshit action in the last third. And I think... We can see that here. This is a very, very interesting film for about two thirds of its running time, and then it becomes action as it was done in the sixties. Yeah. It kind of trails
2: off towards the end, doesn't it? I think like to skip ahead to like Guntam Solis. I think that's where that kind of failed a couple of times. It kind of instead of having more of a, I mean, it, it's still it's enjoyable action movie, but it's not so much a Bond movie. It kind of lurches from one set piece to, I, to set piece to set piece. And
3: well, I, I, wait to I, will, I will say. I will say. Oh, sure. <laughs> I will say this about the action. I do think it's what it's it's a flaw when you, you're fighting your key villain and both you're masked. Yeah, and you kind of don't bit... really sort. Of, I, I know it's like oh, okay, we kind of get that you. But... That reminds
0: me of the uh, Batman Begins, where they they start having a fight in the first scene of the film and just throw them both in mud, so you can't do any. Work yeah. Tell you. yeah, you can't do anything,
2: can
0: you? Yeah. yeah uh, the action's not done that well but I mean it's relative, the thing, the thing we'll also see right the way through to believe it or not the living daylights is this tendency to speed up footage oh.
2: um,
0: it's not as bad in this film as we'll see um, Thunderball
2: is probably the worst culprit Thunderball the worst, of the early bonds.
0: god the Thunderball is a terrible culprit, the pre-title sequence in Majesties is pretty notable. that's a bit fringe-worthy. <laughs> um, But, yeah, as late as the late 80s, they were still doing it. Um, I'll point the scene out when we get there, because you may not have noticed it. There's one very obvious use of it in The Living Daylights. And um, so action-wise, it's never going to stand out. We've had 50-odd years of action films since. But what certainly stands up is the sets, the casting, and Mm -hmm. as magnetic a leading performance as I've ever seen. I think we should
2: probably leave it there, shouldn't we? I think I think we wrap it well, up. Well,
3: well, we could. I mean, too much. We could talk for another hour, really. I mean, we haven't even touched on um, High Fiveo.
0: Let's keep talking. No, we haven't. We haven't even touched no, on High
3: Fiveo's Jack Lord as Phoenix Lighter. No, and, uh, like... yeah, yeah, no,
0: we got to do that. Keep going.
3: So, like, mm. um, well, the things like they got Jack Lord as Phoenix Lighter. I mean, Lighter has always been like a confusing uh, character in the Bond series. Like, they change like literally change the actor every five seconds <laughs> basically all like yeah all, yeah. all the other are are they, are they cast then they bring are they bring back another another guy who played it before to come back it just seems like a very evolving door you know I, I wonder i wonder if um uh, uh what's oh he plays him in the craig ones jeffrey wright jeffrey wright i wonder if like jeffrey wright's gonna get recast soon. i do
0: i do wonder the well, funny thing about Felix Leiter is there's been more Felix Leiters than there've been James Bond in the yeah, series. That? But he isn't, isn't necessary in as much as For Russia loves many people's favourite, he's not in that. Majesties is a lot of people's favourite, he's not in that. Um, he's not in quite a lot of the Roger Moore films, and a lot of people love, for example, The Spy Who Loved Me, he's not in that. Um, he's not in any of the Brosnan films, although there's a bit of a facsimile of him, which we'll get to. Um so he's he's strangely a character that I, I like him to be there, but he really doesn't have to be there.
2: No, he's got I, a of following, doesn't he? I think. Yeah,
0: and I think also a lot of it's another thing that tells you what Bond era you grew up with. Because when I think of Felix Leiter, I think of Cease Linda. And he's probably one of the worst Felix Lighters of the lot, but he was in mm-hmm. Goldfinger, and I'm, that must have been... No, th- I think I think the worst
3: Felix is, uh Fioras only, that's the worst
0: Felix Lighter. Felix isn't in that. Do you mean the Living Daylight? Living Daylight, yes, yes. John Terry. Yes. John Terry, yeah, What?
2: why? Why? The, fo- why? the footballer. <laughs> he's yeah. only
0: in it for about 30 <laughs> seconds. Oh, it's not,
2: yeah, sorry, Mr Terry, but Why? <laughs>
0: There's not really any point to him. in that Well, film.
3: well, the thing is, he's just so he's just basically like an American on holiday. That's basically what he is.
2: Pretty much. Is just an excuse for a bit of the um the?
0: I I don't exactly know why he's in it. He, he's not necessary at all to the plot. No. And in the very next film, they get back like Roger Moore's Felix.
2: Just to move the plot along, I think.
0: Yeah, but um, the point I, I'm my, making my though Felix is, if, if, you rank, if you started ranking Felix Leiter's, I mean. You got
2: David Henderson, uh, then Jeffrey
0: yeah, Wright. You you would certainly go like Jeffrey Wright, David Henderson, Jack Lord, not necessarily in that order, but that would probably be like your top three. And so us, yeah. And yet the first person I think of is C. Linder, which tells me that is the first Felix I There's saw. The first Felix. It must be, but he's a bit of a nothing character in a strange kind of way in the films, and I know that we. we He's been cut out of the last couple of Craig films, if we include Spectre in that. And a lot of fans have sort of been up in arms about it, and I don't really see why, because Felix has actually never been that important.
2: No, but I'll say, we, we talked earlier Except about... Licence
0: um, to Kill, obviously.
2: Yeah, definitely. So we talked earlier about... Um, this film casting a bunch of unknown actors. Um, was Jack Lord like a big star at the time? I mean, was was he perhaps more famous than all of them? or Ooh, was it, was uh, you know what?
0: Him? I'm going to have to look that up for the simple reason that I think it was pre... I
2: think it was pre- pre-Hawaii
0: 5-0. Yeah, it was pre-Hawaii 5-0. I know one of the reasons they considered casting him was that um, he was considered a bit too good-looking against Connery. I'm not saying they thought he was better-looking than Connery, but he was too much competition. I know. Yeah, Hawaii is nineteen
2: sixty eight, so yeah, definitely pre.
0: <laughs> I'm actually looking through his filmography now, and I yeah. can't see anything big. There's nothing big before Doctor No.
2: No, but he still looks quite stylish, though, doesn't he? Even though he's kind of like, oh, who's he looks the like
0: He, you know? he, he looks like a Ramey. He's like oh,
2: mine's a Guy in Washington. I,
3: I like. I, I, I like his bit. intro. Basically, like uh, he kind of like looks like oh. He, he's he could be a bad guy cuz he's kind of like sort of got his eye on bond but um and then yeah, he didn't know who he used the and then of. um and then literally like bond has a fight with Quarrel and the the other the other dude and like Puss fella uh, yeah and um and, and 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 I and Peter Knight comes comes up with a gun and sort of like and holds him up. Then finds out, oh, you're you're British service. Oh, we're best of mates now. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> I, I kind of like how funny pretty, they pretty much like slap each other on the back after having a bit of a fist fight. You know? uh, but um, but I suppose that's probably a sign of the times. It's like you know, don't mind having a bit of a fight. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, oh, shit, you're on our side. Oh, cool. welcome. Let's you take, have a drink.
0: <laughs> if you take the books out of it. And just look at the films. I'm not sure what Felix is meant to be to Bond. Inasmuch as you look at this film and you've got an equivalent. You've got a good looking American agent of probably a similar age without looking up Jack Lord's age at the time. Then you get to Thunderball, jumping Goldfinger for a minute. And you've got a similar, albeit a different person. Then you've got C. Slinder in Goldfinger, who's almost like an older brother stroke father figure. You know, significantly older than Connery, at least in look. Then you get to Diamonds, and you've got a guy who's kind of a, I don't know, kind of overweight bureaucrat. And then you get to, like, Live and Let Die, and you've got a good friend again and they the the films have never been consistent in what Felix is meant to be
3: i i disagree i mean i think in terms of like how the how the actor and the character probably looks but i think phoenix has always been kind of like and like the, just a general ally and he's he's like basically his american ally it's uh it's is is it's it's almost like is um just a friend i mean it it, it could be like a friend who's like older, older than, him or the same age. It doesn't. Re- it doesn't really matter because yeah, I mean, the relationship is always fun. the same. The relationship is always the same, regardless of him and Bond. Um, so, I, but but I I guess you're kind of right. I mean, his his role isn't sorry that important. But I think it's it's nice. It's like another theme. It's like always oh, like of course he would have like a guy who
0: he would have equivalents yeah. in the in the trade
3: and. And if you're gonna go, I suppose it's more in the books, and I think probably more now. So now the adapted scene away.
0: is the only film that captures it actually?
3: Um, yeah, it's 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 because the way Bond is. I mean, Bond as ruthless as he is, he does respect loyalty, and in Casino Royale, uh, Phoenix kind of does sort of save his ass. He 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 comes out for him and they kinda of has that mutual respect and admiration for each other so the you know they they will have that they may they may not be like best of pals but it's like when they do meet they are like, Oh hey, how are you? and like kind of do anything for you kind of like kinda of, mm-hmm. kinda of, it's almost kinda of like that, that really, really good friend that you don't see often, but no matter when you see him, he's Good friend. But
0: there there I, hasn't been a consistency in characterisation, and what I mean by that is—well,
3: I guess maybe I'll find had out. The Jack, you had to? the
0: Jack Wade character been called Felix Lighter, you'd have bought it. Oh no. Yeah, but you would have gone. Yeah, that would nasty. have
3: been a, a ton, I would agree with you there. That would
0: have been a total, total shift. But, Especially in
2: uh, the, on the um, in Tomorrow Never Dies with the Hawaiian shirts and.
0: Oh, he was really irritating in Tomorrow Never Dies. To be fair, sounds like sure my first is. marriage. Yeah. <laughs> but certainly when he comes out of the airport in Goldeneye and he's got an American CIA agent there, you could have called that guy Felix Leiter. You
3: could yeah, have I done, agree. but I will say this. Um, I, you could have bought it, but then I would have bought that as a reboot of the character rather than, okay. like, because in, in that we already established that M's now a lady. So you, you could uh, you could also say like well it's just like because mm. Goldeneye, like or not is is like a reboot. It's it kind of, yeah. um, even though it's not
0: typically, but it, it kind
3: of just. I can't
0: wait to get to Goldeneye. But um, it's a fascinating point in this series. Really brilliant. Uh, I'm not as keen on it as some, but it is a fascinating point in this series. Mm. But,
3: yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to talk about all of them, quite frankly. I just, I, <laughs> I, 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 I just love Bond. I, I do think, <laughs> I'm,
0: even in thing. this film, though, had you cut, you could have cut. It wouldn't have taken much to cut Felix Leiter out of this film. Oh, I mean, <laughs> actually,
3: you're right. I mean, like, <laughs> it's not actually that important. No, because his other mates do it, like, Quarrel basically is, you like...
0: Could totally have changed the way he met Quarrel and Pussfella, right? And, you, and he doesn't get involved in the whole Crab Key thing. He is at the end, briefly, but that's not that important. You could have finished with Bond getting off with Honey Rider in any boat with anyone around. He's actually a totally nothing character in this film. And that follows throughout the series, and in a lot of ways. I mean, when we get, do you think probably reports, Phoenix
3: Slater is almost like there to, as as, as I won't not say sell, but kind of like as a kind of like as as a face for American audiences to kind
0: of. Yeah, we'll see that when we get to
3: Goldfinger. <laughs> yeah. I, I I I'm 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 thinking like, you know, it's like obviously because Jane Bond is quintessentially British. Yes. You know, it's nice to have like one of the good guys, American kind of thing to like entice American yeah, audiences. I'm not I'm not saying that is I, I would legitimately works, you know, over like something
0: in that. I mean, I don't know that there are too many Americans in this cast. Uh so you've got a Scotsman, you've got Bernard Lee, who's English, obviously, you've got Lois Maxwell.
2: Multicultural.
0: <laughs> it's not that multicultural, is it? No. It's so, um, <laughs> I mean, that
2: ironic.
0: And country. actually, most of, the chi- of white guys. most of the Chinese people in this film are, are Jamaicans, aren't. So, yeah. No. <laughs> I, I,
3: yeah, I can't the, the lady with the, the, uh, the taking the photograph, she's like, she meant to make her look like uh, she's like. Like slightly like Chinese, they put like rustic band like, around her head.
0: Like, pull, pull yeah, she's like
2: tape on her eyes yeah. and rustic bands, and ooh.
0: And yet, when you actually see that, uh, she was another one uh, dubbed by Nikki Van Zile.
2: Margaret When you actually
0: hear a real voice, it's very Jamaican. She it has a Jamaican a, look, doesn't it, she? It's lovely. It's actually quite nice, but um, yeah, it's a it's a really it, it is really interesting. I mean, I know we haven't actually mentioned quarrel. No. Um, yeah, we haven't actually talked about Quarrel. I saw um, a double bill of Dr. Noan Goldfinger on the big screen about two months ago. And um, one of the things that really, really struck me about Quarrel, just the actor, not the character, is when you see this on the big screen, John Kitzmiller who played Quarrel has got incredibly yellow white to his eyes. And I came home and, it, and the ca- the, I came home and looked him up and the, the actor was dead about two years later. <gasps> he, he had cirrhosis um, of the liver. He was a severe alcoholic. Oh, no. And there's a scene in the film where they play some sort of vaguely comical music and he downs a load of, like, rum or something.
2: He does a double take, doesn't he? And he's yeah, like, and I'm Whoa.
0: just like, oh, God, laughing at this guy being a bit of a drunk is not funny now. No, you're
2: sort of looking at it back and now. That's one of the... Well, I said a little bit earlier about how the film stands up. That's one of the scenes that doesn't stand up.
3: Yeah. I mean, Due to the racism. Le- at least that... it wasn't Double Taking
0: Pigeon, that's all I'm saying. No, that's true. God. <laughs> no, thought, cause there's so many films I'm looking forward to. And then there's Moonraker.
2: <laughs> that, that's the whole series so and
0: it's, yeah, it's so yeah, yeah, but you've, yeah, but you've got, you've got to be five looking five f- to do a double, to look at his drink when Bond got up to something.
2: <laughs> when he gets out of it, you know, Bond or <laughs> oh. <laughs>
3: things yeah. though. You've, you've got, you've got to be looking forward to doing the podcast on
0: me, Rekka, though.
2: Oh dear, that's gonna be hilarious. <laughs> uh, uh, let me it's f- a good drinking film because you can take a shot whenever.
0: Die another day is the one I'm yeah. actually looking forward to, and the reason I say that is. Die Another Day is horrific, but I'm never actually bored by it. Exactly, it's
2: entertaining. It's entertaining.
0: I think it, no, I, I don't even know that I would say entertained, but certainly there are there are certain Bond movies around the Roger Moore era, certainly late on, where I'm actually a bit bored. And that's never the case with Die Another Day. I'm like laughing at it all the way through, quite heartily, yeah. and I can't wait to like rip that one a new one.
1: <laughs> and, um,
0: oh. But the the thing about the Connery era, and the thing about the thing that really starts here with Doctor No, is they they aren't super serious. They they've got their tongue in their cheek a little bit, but they are all really quality films, well made, told relatively seriously. And we are looking at an era where James Bond ruled the world in in film terms. Certainly from certainly sixty two through about sixty five. And dropping away afterwards, we are in the golden era of Bond. And when we talk about that, we might be in a second golden era now, but we'll come to that. Mm. I certainly think these are a very special period that you've got. Sean Connery at his peak before he got bored, started wearing dodgy wigs and gaining weight. We got greedy. Yeah. um, You've got everyone interested. All the films looking good all the films made told fairly straight and i'm not saying without humor but not parody and they are all so much of their time and with mad men and archer and other things like that the the early 60s are really really cool again and it's wonderful to stick on a bond film and just see that
2: yeah it's good that you mentioned archer actually i think that's that's probably one of the best um, Bond homages or parodies, whichever way you want to skew it.
0: Because
2: mm. even though it's, it's obviously set in the 1960s office, apart from Series 5 when they... It's actually set
0: all over the place, really. In
2: the 80s, yeah. I don't know, it's kind of... Yeah, it's not yeah. set in the 60s, but it's got the kind of look about it, even though it's mm-hmm. modern-day references and modern-day technology and things but
0: like that. There's so. something that is... And, and this is where, for all I say about Roger Moore, I feel a little bit sorry for him, because oh. he was Bond in the era that Taste forgot.
2: Poor Roger. I shall be defending. In the seventies had
0: wonderful music and a lot of great films and all the rest of it, but you cannot compare Doctor No with like Roger Moore in a nylon safari
1: suit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's just no comparison. I mean, yeah, now. I mean he's cool in the nice suits and you know I went to as I say I went to see it and when they cut back to London after like. Strangways has been killed, and you just see that that sort of bank of phones and everything else. It's so much of its era, and they're all smoking as well.
1: Oh God, so yeah. much
0: of the the era. I just had a big smile on my face, and Bond never can recapture that because we'll never have the early to mid Bond, we'll never have the nineteen sixties. No political correctness.
3: It's just the look and the feel of of it of the sixties, rather than like the should we say the... the
0: politics of it.
3: I mean, I suppose suppose that has a hand in it, but yeah, generally, yeah. But I don't,
0: I don't yearn for a time that Bond is slapping women again. No, it's and I don't. Nobody wants that. (laughs) It's nothing to do with that. But would you love to see Bond smoke? No, not really. I don't think it's that important.
1: No, I don't.
0: And particularly now, because we know it's not that I would. It's not that I would object to Bond smoking. It's more the fact that it's more about realism. Yeah, you don't really need it, I don't think. Um, you know, this, this guy is ex-military. Well, he still is military because it's Military Intelligence 6. Sure. But <laughs> this guy is, you know, certainly in the film version of this franchise, he's called on to do quite a lot of action. And puffing 70 a Day is not really commensurate with that. No, it doesn't
2: really work out.
0: So I, I, I'm not really bothered about him smoking either way. I mean, even by Dalton, it was starting to look a bit anachronistic. You know, he was sat in Q's lab having a fag, and I was thinking, are we smoking? Health and safety. Yeah, and now, obviously, whenever I see anyone smoking indoors anywhere in a film, it looks really odd.
1: No, it looks bizarre.
0: We've had, we've had the smoking ban for so long. It's not the politics of the era I miss. It, it's 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 just look and feel. It's literally just that. And I don't yearn for that. I'm, you know, Casino Royale and the Gold, Goldeneye, there are other Bond films we will get to, that are in many ways the equal or better of what we're talking about tonight. But what we won't have is that iconography of the era. There was something about Bond through Majesties that never got recaptured afterwards, just because of the era it was made in. Just
3: because of the bloody 70s, basically.
2: Bloody 70s? Oh.
0: Yeah, I mean, look at the difference between... I mean, I know they're very different films, but look at the difference between Majesties and Diamonds Arethroes. Yeah. I-
3: it's it 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 literally is, and you know, and spoilers for this, it literally is like one of the best in the series to pretty much the worst I'm entry. Yeah. <laughs> feel, yeah.
0: you've, you've gone from an elegant. I mean, there's there's signs of the seventies starting to come in, and that lazenby has got like a bit of like a puffy shirt going on, a bit of a raff on his uh, uh, tuxedo.
3: He wears a quilt, or what.
0: <laughs> yeah, all of it. Yeah. But the fact is, it is still just about a sixties film. And you get to Diamonds Are Forever and you've suddenly got, you've gone from one of the prettiest films in the series to one of the ugliest. And um, there is just something about the 60s and Bond we'll never get again. But time does have an effect on these things in that we go forward three or four decades from now. And people will be possibly looking at Casino Royale and Spectre and all the rest of it and saying, why don't Bond films look like that anymore?
2: No, that's true, actually. you probably get to the point where yeah, you look back on the 90s with fondness somehow and think, oh, wow, well, why didn't it, you know.
0: Poor old Roger Moore. Nylon safari suits and disco soundtracks.
2: Oh, dear. <laughs> I, I feel, that's. I'll I say, I, I'm i quite a fan of Roger, Um, but I would say I do kind of feel sorry for him. I mean, the, the safari suit featured for, what I don't know, five, ten minutes in one chase scene in one film. Yeah, but yeah, I'd yeah, yeah, really picture him in a
0: nylon safari suit in every scene he's in.
2: Yeah, pretty much I was say like, That's what he goes down for. It's like,
0: well, but it isn't. It isn't just that though. I mean, there are, there are plenty of attractive women and in, in sets and locations in the seventies films, and there's plenty about the seventies, even style-wise, I quite like. But all I'm saying is, you, you look at Majesty's. You look at Doctor No. That casino scene. We've seen sure. it. We've had casino scenes in almost every Bond film, but that one. That's the,
2: that's the quintessential one, that's though. Only have been
0: shot in the sixties.
2: Definitely. I mean even you've got um Pierce Brosnan and um Yeah GoldenEye, That doesn't close. look the same, not quite the same.
0: Goldeneye's the closest though. I mean if it, you talk, it, about, close, if you but talk it, about if you talk about good looking because you know, timeless casino scenes, Goldeneye'd be right up there.
2: Definitely. I mean even obviously um Oh Casino Royale, sorry. <laughs> um yeah, even Casino Royale it doesn't quite have that panache.
0: No, it doesn't. There's something about yeah. So yeah, I mean d- it was just a magic... They might have done this in the late 50s. I don't know. The only danger is it could have been black and white, I guess, the earlier you go. But um, I've never really looked into why they went for this in colour because there was still quite a lot of um, black and white being made, and black and white film stock is cheaper.
2: No, that's it. Well, I think, obviously, at the beginning of the 60s, you had the... Well, late 50s, early 60s, you had the um, Kitchen Sink movies coming out of, uh, of England and Britain, sort of very much based in sort of, like, domesticity and... The, the troubles of the everyday working man. So maybe this
0: was trying to get away I, from that, perhaps. I guess probably... It's like, a wonderful feeling of I, escapism to yeah, it. I, yeah.
3: I guess also there's probably an element of the fact that the, you know, this was like a, a tightly budget um, film with a lack of star quality. So the fact that it was in colour was another attraction? No. Okay.
0: I guess as well...
2: Oh, that's true, yeah.
0: I guess as well we've got... Um, we talk about the tight budget, but salaries would have been quite light. There's no Cary Grant in this film. Yeah,
2: No, I imagine this probably would have been Connery's... Which lowest... nearly could
3: have
0: been. <laughs> it could
3: have been... <laughs>
2: <laughs> nearly could have been. In Alternate
3: <laughs> Future would have had a Cary Grant one-off bomb
0: film. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah.
2: Richard Burton? Oh God, they listed them.
0: Richard Burton I'd be alright with, Cary Grant less so. Well, he's American uh, for starters. Well, he's not actually, he's from Bristol. Is
2: it? Yeah, he is.
0: Oh. Man. Well, I shall just have hand... You ever seen a fish... Have you ever seen a fish called Wanda?
3: I shall just hand in my fucking... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what? I actually... Have you ever seen a fish called
0: Wanda, Chris?
3: I actually haven't. I mean,
0: I've seen bits of it. All right. Well, anyway, John Cleese's character in that is called Archie Leach. Yeah, that's
2: Cary Grant's real name. That's
0: Cary Grant's real name.
2: You have to see that film. It's so funny.
0: It's really good. Oh. But anyway, yeah, Cary, Grant's from... nose, Cary Grant's from... The nose, Ken. Carrie Grant's from Bristol. And his accent was so funny to Americans. I mean, go watch like some Like It Hot. Tony Curtis is basically taking the piss out of Cary Grant.
2: Yeah, G- the G- Cary Grant impression.
0: Yeah, that's what, what? That's, oh,
2: that's, 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 No,
0: I always picture Cary Grant. That's what he's doing in that film. He's doing a, 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 he's doing a parody of Cary Grant. I am
3: going to go and YouTube Cary Grant right now because, oh my God. It's really weird.
2: His accent there's not quite. It's not like. Um...
0: It's not even mid-Atlantic. I mean, to, America, no, I was
2: say, to it's Americans,
0: not... it must sound like Dick Van Dyke sounds to us. <laughs> yeah, somewhere
2: in between.
0: You know, it's really strange. But I mean, he. he I mean, he. I mean, the closest. But, yeah, thing one we of the biggest movie stars of all, all time. <laughs> I mean, one of the. One of the big, I mean, the closest thing we had to a Bond film before Bond, I think, was North by Northwest.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: Uh, which is Cary Grant. So I mean, it's I not mean, a Bond film. But if you wanted the series we've got now where you've got a British guy in the role, albeit it could be played by somebody else, but somebody who convinces you he's British, I don't think the way to start it is Cary Grant. But um, Richard Burton I could totally see. We, we will get to like missed opportunities as we go through the series because... There have not only been people who were very nearly cast as Bond. There were people who were actually cast as Bond,
2: mm. who we well, didn't, didn't see. Um, didn't Ian Fleming want uh, James Stewart or somebody like that? To oh,
0: do it? David Niven.
2: David Niven, that was it. Yeah. So
0: uh, okay. he he talked to Noel Coward, who was a neighbour of his in Jamaica, about yeah, playing Doctor about playing Doctor No.
2: That would have been interesting.
0: That would We will
2: do, boy. I
0: cannot picture it. But you know, who knows, but he wanted David Niven when you read the literature. But yeah, as we go through the series, there are some astonishing casting choices, mm-hmm. and we're not just talking about Pierce Brosnan missing out and coming back to it when we get we'll, I mean, we will see future bonds miss out at certain times. We will see well, we will see bonds talked about at one point, you get it years later, but we will also see casting choices that will blow your mind. People that are like, they were really looking at that person honestly. Your jaw will drop. Um, largely, as we get through Adam the Modern West era and the, the, Adam
2: West, yes. Uh,
0: yeah. But as we get through, um, as we go through the Roger Moore era, there are an awful lot of alternate choices that nearly were Bond. And with me and my prejudices, I tend to think it's because the producers knew Roger Moore was rubbish. Uh-huh. So all the, all the way through, they were like, who can we replace this guy with? No, I, think, I think I think we were one screen test away from getting Zippy from Rainbow to play the role.
2: <laughs> Zippy,
0: oh my god! Well, yeah. Well, some of the casting choices aren't that more ah, sensible. sensible. Yeah, but um, <laughs> my
2: bad, Zippy impression.
0: That was really terrible. <laughs> but um, as we go through, yeah, as we go through. Oh, gee, oh, uh, step uh, it! You know, Sorry. I mean, the one uh, <laughs> that one, the, one, the one that the one that always intrigues me and, and most people turn their nose up at it simply because of his private life. But there was a time we could have had Oliver Reed as James Bond. Ooh. And I think that would have been phenomenal at his peak. Because, drama on and off screen. Well, he had those sort of um, Daniel Craig piercing blue eyes. And he would have played a very tough, very tough version of the role around the time we ended up with Roger Moore. <laughs> it I think... was an alternate universe where I always picture somewhere around the early Moore era we get a faithful adaptation of Moonraker, starring Oliver Reed, and I think. A
3: villain. I think. Um... And a
0: ginger villain, yeah. Cast Nicholas, <laughs> Nicholas Witchell; it would be brilliant.
3: Oh. <laughs> well, correspondent. Um, if uh, I'd say, if you want a sneak preview of what it could have been like as Oliver, like Oliver Olive Reed has Bond, watched the uh, the Assassination Bureau. Um, it's a film uh, he did with Diana Rigg and. Uh, Telly Savalas and the guy who played um, uh, in the bad guy in uh, *Despised Love Me*, uh, Strongbow. Um, oh, you're cut, you're
0: good.
3: yeah, Jürgens. Um, yeah, it's basically basically it's like starring with a Bond girl with two bomb villains. Um, it's like Bond light, really, isn't it? Yeah, so um, I I checked that out. It's actually quite an entertaining watch, quite an interesting kind of random sixties kind of film about a league of assassins essentially. Um, when well, we get
0: to the when we, get, when we get to the Living Daylights as well, we'll get to one of the most uh, involved casting stories in, in the whole Bond history. But we go through quite a lot of them in the Roger Moore era. Joking aside, forget my opinions on Roger Moore, there were there was a lot of umming and ahring, and he was on one film at a time, and they kept looking to the future, wondering if they'd have Roger back for the next film. And, uh, yeah, it's really fascinating, and I think it's easy now to look back at Dr. No and take it for granted well we got a, a very whatever you think of honey rider we got a beautiful bond girl we got the quintessence we got a terrific cast as james bond and he wasn't an obvious one they were talking about david niven and others people with a very very different quality to roger moor we completely got,
1: unknown?
0: we got still the best i think m in the series all the way through that cast and that, you know, set designers, music, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, Chris, Monty Norman and um, John Barry, we mm. take that for granted now, it could have had some generic score that was completely forgettable.
3: But, you know, that, that, um, um Monty, um, ugh. bedtime. Yes. Monty Norman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that Monty Norman, um, riff is just like iconic and it's just embedded in that series now you know it's like you know it's you know you, you you play that and everyone know everyone in the world will know essentially what that means and you know so that's
2: how those these things often come about aren't they? They're kind of like yeah. organic like that i mean it's like the, the jaws theme tune um
3: oh yeah exactly
2: john williams had like a more complicated score and so was like no go away redo it or however the story goes and he's like and it's just like wow you know, You
0: take it for granted But the number of films we all walk out of Where someone says, what was the score like And you, oh, I didn't notice mm.
2: That's it, yeah, if it, if it doesn't resonate with you Then it's not worth it So,
0: You know, and everything I mean, even if you go back and look at Even the, even the advertising campaigns of this film so go, go back and look at the poster For Doctor No or From Russia With Love I,
2: it, I love those the hand drawn posters. I just have remember, such you know, the name of the artist.
0: Style, and really, we get that right the way through. Well, right up to about Moonraker, really. Arguably, even a little bit further. I mean, the Bond posters now are actually really bland by comparison. You
2: know, the, the one for Spectre, we just got. You've got like Bond against a grey background with the Spectre, and you think, mm. I mean, it's good because you can see all the references to Living That Die and aspects of his character and things like that. But it's just, it's quite. Very stripped down, very bare, and.
0: Well, oh, I mean the the, the, s- the Skyfall advertising campaign was awful.
2: Oh yeah, that that was quite dire, wasn't it? It
0: really was. Not very exciting. It worked though, but. <laughs> but it,
2: it worked. It, yes, it worked but enough, yeah. Compare it to the the colourful, 60s posters. I mean, you've only got to look at like Living the Die and Diamonds Are Forever of them to get like even more, campy, for example.
3: Mm. Well, I think it's just like, yeah. well, it's like I think, I think it's just like well, let's have to just have Bond with a gun. It that's pretty much, all it is to it. I mean, I'd no. rather
0: the film was good, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, Look at Moonraker, I kind of like the poster for that. The film's awful. So, I mean, <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it's not the most important thing in the world, but there was just a confluence of events that you had. Forget what you think of him as an actor. You're one of the most charismatic film stars of all time. And he is a film star, and you don't grasp that until you see him on the big screen. I mean, we'll get to Majesties later, and I'll, I'll, I'll defend Lazenby quite hard. But there's no way that he has that screen presence that Connery had. You've got a really good cast around him, whether they're names or not. You've got one of the best set designers ever. In John Barry, you've got one of the best film score guys I can think of, composers. Um, And just everything about it just surfed a wave of luck. And they did manage to make a relatively small budget, 300000 in British pounds, stretched quite a long way and and this could have been a cheapy, I mean you've only got to look at the TV teleplay of Casino Royale from the 1950s with Barry Nelson to see what this film could have been it could have been a very very quickly knocked out film in black and white with a zero budget you know some British cheaply made thing that never went anywhere and here we are and the latest Bond film did 1.1 million nearly 1.2 million um, this series owes so much to this film and I know it sounds obvious because it's the first, of course but they really did nail quite a lot of this out of the gate
3: yeah, the DNA is there is in
0: Doctor definitely. No
2: it's a big yeah. for the franchise
0: yeah, and it feels more like a Bond film than next week's does in a strange oh Planet. yeah, definitely from Russia with Love is a terrific film, and Definitely. there's no spoiler in that. I think we're all going to speak very highly of it.
3: We are
2: for sure, but, but
0: it is less a Bond film than this is.
2: Mm. Sure, yeah, it's more of a kind of Cold War spy thriller, which is kind of yeah, what it's meant it, to be. But you know,
0: it, it is kind of a it is it is the Bond, att- Bond series attempt at a Hitchcock film. Uh, you know, we'll get to, as I said, then the following week we get to Guy Hamilton, who introduced a couple of interesting tropes. We'll get to, but. So much of it is already here. We've got the gun barrel. I know it's used slightly differently, but we have Bond James Bond, we have him in the tugs, we have him in a casino, we have the villains lair, we have the Bond Girl. Uh the only thing I think we're really lacking, apart from a Q scene, is a decent henchman.
2: Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, be um, even young vegans are
3: there. You could say the free flea blind mice guys, they're they're kind of like henchmen. I mean they're not used like as no, majorly, yes, they but they do have a, like their own thing. You know what I mean? They have like their own kind of like their own characteristic, their own thing they play with, the fact that like, they they're just they're three guys who pretend to pretend to be blind, you know, and then and then shoot people. You know, it's that's and and drive around and hearse.
0: You know that I, I also like it this stage. The
3: And and um, and thingy, uh Spider Guy got you
0: know
3: Anthony. Get, yeah. He, he you know gets shot <laughs> Yeah.
0: So wow, I like, really I love that scene. I mean, you've had your six. Craig about anything done. Anything. Oh
3: yeah, that's
2: that's terrible. Yeah, you've had your six. Oh my god, bang, bang, bang. When we
0: get to Craig, I'll I'll point to scenes that remind me of Connery. Um, but certainly, yeah, I I love that scene. The other thing I really like about the Bond films of this era, and you don't even know you're seeing it in all cases, is that we've got a bit of a sort of company going on here, in as much as Terence Young directs three of the first four. You've got, obviously, Connery in all of them. You've got all the principal cast we know. But most of the crew comes back. Peter Hunt edits the first six, and di- sorry, the first five and, and directs number six. You've got John Barry. He does not compose a Bond film until you get to live and let die. And even actors get him reused. I mean, next week we'll meet a lady who's also in Goldfinger. And she's in a very small role in both of them. But Anthony Dawson, we see him this week. Professor Dent, he gets shot by Bond. Uh, next week we will see him as the hands and body of Blofeld.
2: Yeah, there's a very cameo role there.
3: And voiced by the guy, the Doctor No. Yeah.
0: Well, what was his name? I I wanna say Eric Anderson, but I think that's completely wrong.
2: I think you might be right. I'd like to have a look, double check that one.
0: All
3: right. Joseph Wiseman.
0: Joseph Wiseman was the, the the guy, but he was. I can't remember
2: his
3: name. Oh. oh, right. Sorry, the guy actually did his voice. Did the voice?
0: Yeah. Mm, yeah. But there's there's a bit of a company, as I say. Nikki Vanderzil voices Tatiana. The next week she does both Mastersons. She does, um well, she doesn't do Pussy Galore, obviously. But the following week she voices Domino you know there is a, there is a, a certain company of talent that turns up every it's the same year, people again isn't it yeah every year right through the 60s and that's why the 60s films all kind of feel of a piece with the possible exception of one uh i would say you only live twice feels kind of different to the rest of these uh but you you've just got the same talent turning up every year and the first four, and certainly five of the first six for me, are just pure gold because you've got a, a, so much talent at the peak of their game.
2: Oh, yeah, that's a really good point, actually. I, do. I think it's you brought it to a coder, which is really nice. So.
0: Yeah, and maybe I uh, wasted in this job. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we've got a couple, we've got certainly the next three weeks really excite me you know, as we get beyond that. The quality varies for me, but there will be that and there'll be but there will be plenty to talk about good and bad but certainly in terms of the gold standard of the bond era we this series starts so strong, and I can't wait for next week because we might so just be, we might just be coming to the best pure film in the series, if not the best bond film
2: It definitely ranks high though whenever you you hear interviews of um uh cast and crew on the Bond movies the chances are their number one film will be from A Show of Love so yeah
0: they're wrong but I'll take that up with them later
2: oh well yeah apart from
0: (laughs) but yeah certainly forgetting the Bond film aspect of it what we're about to see next week is an extremely well made film
2: I was going to mention earlier what what are the two you're talking about like a henchman and there's a bit is it Sister Rose and what, what, what was her name it's like the two nurses that look after Bond and and honey, and they poison the drinks and stuff. You think, oh my god, I forgot about them as well. We didn't talk about them,
0: yeah. And I've forgotten their names there.
2: No, and know one's just a rose, and the other one's something, hadn't they? Uh,
0: yeah. Know. But they're just like secondaries, just really,
2: yeah. They're just like throwaway rolls. Okay,
3: so
0: we don't, okay, we so don't I should... really get a decent, well, I'll say we're about that no we, we get the we get a very good henchman next week,
2: yeah. Iconic henchman, uh, okay. So I'll say something to wrap up the end. um like thanks Dave thanks Chris and Mm -hmm. do you expect us to talk we'll return with from a show of love